Alongside Mitchell Smedley, so glad to be with you as always, bringing you the best in sports talk here on KUR. Mitch, what a weekend it was. Another weekend of college football down. Week three in the books there. NFL mostly in the books in week two. We'll preview the two Monday night games uh, between the Saints and the Panthers and the Browns and the Steelers. That'll be coming up a little bit later on. A lot of MLB to talk about as the regular season is nearing its conclusion. Uh, about 12 to 13 games left for, for each team. So a lot to talk about in that realm. Uh, and then hour number two, you know, we mentioned college football week three. We'll be breaking down all things college more in hour number two. But hour number one, we're going to start off with MLB. Then we'll move on to NFL. We'll talk about how our predictions went for week two in the NFL games. Uh, we have two more predictions to give for tonight's contest. Uh, the Saints and Panthers game will actually be kicking off around 15 minutes after we get off air. Um, so that one, I'm actually going to miss the start on one of my commute home. Yeah. But I'm going to barely get in back car. in time for it. Yeah, exactly. So we, we oh my goodness. Nice. <laughs> Just cover that mic. Yeah. <laughs> We will preview both of those games, like I mentioned, coming up. Uh, but first, we got to talk baseball. Mitch. Yo, buddy. And a wild card race heating up <laughs> more so than the AL. I mean, both races are, are tightly contested. Uh, around three to four teams in the AL, around five uh, that are in, in the AL, uh, in the NL, pardon me. So, a lot to talk about there. We'll get your thoughts, especially on the Phillies, but we'll get your thoughts on the other four teams that are vying for those last two wildcard spots. To me, what's so interesting is looking at the schedule of these teams yeah. going down the stretch. And I labeled all of them. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Because you can you can do that now where it's like, okay, there's only three to four series left um, for everybody. I think it's four series left. Uh, yeah. Very limited number of games where you can look at that and be like, schedule is really, really important now. It's not so much, uh, you know, over the course of 162, it evens out. Nowadays, down the stretch, though, I mean, these are important opponents that you're playing. Are your opponents, uh, are they in the middle of a race? Are they giving it their best? Are they, you know, are they sitting starters waiting for the playoffs? What's going to happen with that? So, very important to uh, to look at. Um, most notably, I think, in the NL wild card, I mean, the Cubs, they're not in number two anymore. Woo! They've fallen back. Five straight losses for the Cubbies. Yeah. They will look to rebound uh, in, in the days coming up and in the series coming up. They do not have an easy road. We'll talk about them in just a moment. But I want to talk about the Phils first. They are the first wild card team oh, in yeah. the National Say League. Say that again. Oh, yeah. They are the first wild card team in the National League. Nice. They are the first wild, ter- wild card team in the National League. On pace to have a home playoff series in CBP. They are 81 and 68. They have a three and a half game edge over the nearest threatening team being the Diamondbacks, who's currently sitting second. And the Phillies hold the tiebreaker on them. Yes. I think this is the Philly spot to lose. And they, they, they have been damn good at that in past Septembers. Yes. <laughs> it's their talent. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be the case this time around. I think they will. I think they'll hold on. Yeah, me Thanks too. to your uh, inadequate New York Mets. We'll see. The Mets will have some motivation. They could play spoiler. Boring. No. Mets are a disaster. Phillies are going to rack up some wins. Mets are Mets have a chance to get a top five pick. Okay, I like that actually. Yeah. Um, Phillies, you think they're a ninety win team? No, no, you don't think they can get that many? Let's see. They have three, seven, ten, thirteen. They need nine wins in those nine. They need to go nine and three. No, nine and four. Nine and four. I'm sorry. No, that's not happening. Okay, they're going to go seven and six. So they finish one game better than last year. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what I had them around at the start of the season. It's well, it's right around, yeah, yeah. 
I, the over-under, I believe, was 88-and-a-half wins. Great line. Yeah, dude. Great line. What a, what a line from Vegas there. So. They know what they're doing. How they do it, I have no idea. More talent than us, Jack. Yeah. Yeah, they got something to their advantage out there. Whatever commu- uh, computer model or whatever they use. It's all rigged. <laughs> it's all rigged. They know exactly how it's going to go. They get they get handed the script before the season yeah. starts. We went from winning by a lot to losing a tight race. <laughs> you love that line. I do. I think it's so. a great line. I love putting it over like sports. And we'll get to the, the Cardinals later, the football Cardinals. But uh, I think it's applicable in that game. <laughs> yeah. I went from winning by a lot <laughs> to losing a tight race. Uh, <laughs> final 13 for the Phils. They go... At Atlanta for three. That's starting tonight. Gross. They'll host the Mets for four. Host the in-state Pirates for three. And then they'll go to City Field for three to end their season. See where they will finish up. Seven more matchups with the rival Mets. And with the Mets having nothing to play for, except for poking some fun at their rivals, we'll see how those games go. It's unfortunate that seven games out of the 13 are this late in the season. It didn't give us much meaningful Phillies-Mets rivalry this season, which I felt could have been no. really fun early in the season when both teams were playing okay. It was really similar. that first three in New York where we swept you guys was the only, like, impactful series. Exactly. Like, we were already free-falling when you guys beat us at Citizens Bank in June. That was one of the nails in the coffin, I think. That was one of the games where everyone looked and was like, wow, the Mets are terrible. One of that series, I mean. Four runs in one inning, uh, in an inning where there was only one hit. Yeah. That was putrid. I was actually in Key West, Florida when that happened. Yep. I was at my buddy's pool. Right before I was going on a, on a boat tour. Nice. So, must have been a happy day for you. It was a good day. It was a good trip, man. Nice. Key West is a one hell of a place, is, i got to tell you. Fun place to vacation. Nice. All right. Before we get back into it, though, we do have a message from the KUR Notebook. Attention, KU community. Want KUR at your event? No problem. Go to www.kutstown.edu slash KUR, find live events slash remotes, read the reminders, and fill out the form. Our promotional director or an e-board member of KUR will reach out to you as soon as possible. An important reminder about events is that KUR needs at least three weeks' notice to even consider your event. No exceptions. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutstown University. KUR, back here, hour number one of Heavy Hitters. Talking all things MOB, talking about the NL wildcard race, specifically talking about the Philadelphia Phillies, how their road looks throughout the rest of the regular season and their path to clinching the first wildcard spot. Not the easiest, but I don't think it's the hardest of the teams. It's not overtly hard, and with a three-plus game cushion, um, really a four-game cushion on the nearest team right now. Um, They're sitting pretty. You're sitting pretty, right? You're really, you know... The vibes are high. The hopes are high here in Philly that we can uh, get this, you know, home playoff thing going, get a red October started here in Philly this time. Uh, you remember last year, Philly's had like St. a— Louis. Yeah, they had like a 10-game road trip leading into the end of the season. Then they went to St. Louis, and then they went to the first two games in Atlanta. It was like it was like um, something close to three weeks they were away from, away from Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. You won't have to do that this year, you know. You can get, get started on the around. right foot in front of your fans in the jungle. And uh, I believe <laughs> the, the way the bracket works out, if they if they triumph over uh, the sixth seed, then they play uh, the Dodgers instead of the Braves, right? That's how the bracket works. Yeah. Yeah. So, something to look forward to. Yes, yeah, because if the Mets would have won last year, they would have went to play the Dodgers, I think. Um... 
Who was the one seed last year? I'm blanking. I think it was. I think it was the Dodgers. No, I think it was the Braves because the Phillies ended up playing the Braves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were the last team. Yeah, yeah, you're yep. right. You're right. You're so, right. So, right. anyways, uh, yeah, I, I think the Phillies will have a, you know, the more favorable path through the playoffs. Uh, I think it's better to face the Dodgers than the Braves and get to the NLCS and then see what happens. Um, yeah, I just really think the Phillies are positioning themselves well. I could argue conversely, though. Because you remember last year, the Braves were coming off that bye. That's you true. You want to face them before they get a little warmed up. Yep. You know, because what if they cruise to the NLDS, get back in the swing of things, right for the NLCS, and then they just run right through you guys? You know it's what I'm saying? Possible, definitely possible. Like, like I feel like the it's interesting to see how year two of that bye week exactly because last out. year was kind of the case study year, right? To yes. see how these teams off of the bye w- would look, and they did not look good because they were so well rested. I think that almost came back to hurt them more significantly, more significantly than playing would have. So it's going to be really interesting to see how those two teams, because it is going to be those two teams getting the bye again, to see how they look and to see the lessons they've learned from last year going into this year. Because they have the same managerial staff. They have a lot of the same players. It'll be interesting to see how they've grown from that experience with the added rest to see how differently they prepare for the NLDS this time around. Very much so, yeah. I'm, I'm very... It's a good point, one that I was going to bring up a little later, but uh, I don't expect the Braves to be resting uh, starters as much because they're going to get that built-in rest anyways. Baseball is such a game of rhythm. You want to try and stay as much in one as you can. Absolutely. So we'll see how it goes. Let's move on to some other teams in this wild card hunt, though. All right. Um, talking about the Diamondbacks, we're, what we're going to do is actually I kind of have some other tidbits first before we oh, do I'm that. Oh, I'm sorry. So we're going to get to those apologize. quickly. Uh, we you know, mentioned a lot of flip-flopping in the, in the standings. Uh, we talked about the Phillies. They took two or three from the Cardinals their last series. They continue to be a headache to watch for the Philly fan base. Kind of all else ever they had about Philadelphia. I don't know if you have anything else to mention about that. Um, just a scary moment. Looked like Bryce Harper might have injured himself running down the first baseline. Uh, but he seemed to be okay. He played the rest of the series. Um, Kyle Schwarber continues to rake. I believe he's up to 44 home runs this season. Yeah. Uh, Trey Turner's cooled off a little That's bit. That's all he can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he might finish with more home runs than singles. So, so <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Kyle Schwarber is a better Joey Gallo. Yeah. So uh, the the real problem is the pitching. There's no consistent pitching right now, and that's I'm an issue. Sure. So we'll see how that irons itself out over the course of the final 13 games for the Phils. Quick tidbit about the Mets: they took three of four versus the D-backs in their seven game homestand, but then proceeded to drop two of three to the Reds. Mets still have a chance at a top six pick. If they were to land a top six draft pick, they would not be docked the 10 spots for going over the luxury tax. They would remain in the top 10 if the lottery were to shake out that way. Mets fans should be pulling for that. Uh, We'll see how that all shakes up when it's all said and done. They have a chance to play spoiler by playing the Marlins and the Phillies, uh, the only two teams they'll play over the course of the final 13 games. And one more tidbit around the league before we look into this deep deep dive preview. Otani packed his locker with the Angels, still with the team, out for the remainder of the season with an oblique injury, but in my mind, it's a sign of things to come. Yes. Uh, He will be no longer an Angel come the start of next season, and, you know, come a couple months, really, when when free agency opens up, I expect him to sign elsewhere. Don't know where that's going to be, but I do not expect him to return to the Los Angeles Angels, and heck, they've even expressed interest in trading Mike Trout for the right package, so they could be fully blowing this thing up. Uh, and going into a full-blown rebuild. Angels fans, down bad. I feel for you. I feel for you. We it, do. It blew up in a real bad fashion. 
I think they are now going to have the longest drought in the MLB in terms of playoff mess. I believe they do. Because the Mariners and Phillies made it last year. The Orioles are going to make it this year. And they haven't been since 2013? For, yeah, 2014. 2014, okay. So now the Angels are going to have the longest drought in Major League Baseball without making the postseason. I think with the new playoff structure, you're going to see a lot of those like longer droughts come to an end. Yeah, I agree. So... Uh, we'll see how that all shakes up, but we're going to deep dive first in the NL wildcard race. You mentioned the Phils, how their final 13 games look. The D-backs only have 11 to play. They're going to host the Giants for two. That's a huge NL West series as the Giants oh, yeah. are still in this thing. They're only two games out. If they can sweep that series or even split, they put themselves in a better situation. Uh, the D-backs will go to the Bronx to play the Yankees for three, go to Chi-Town to play the White Sox for three, and wrap it up by hosting the AL West leading Astros for three games to round out their season. I think they have probably one of the easier paths with those six road games at two teams that are not in the playoffs. Not guaranteed wins, uh, but that's a pretty favorable path in terms of looking at the schedule. Uh, It definitely is. And if you're a fan, you hope that the Astros are clinched. Nothing really to play for, similar to the Phillies last year. Uh, Finished up their season in Houston. And then really finished up their season in Houston. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> crazy how that worked out. Yeah, it is. But uh, definitely don't think it's an impossible road. I think it sets them up nicely, especially if they can uh, really repel the, the Giants this upcoming series. That'll be a, a big nail in the coffin for this wild card race. Uh, especially for the Giants. Oh, there was a huge series in Chicago. The D-backs lost three in a row to the Mets after taking the first game in a four. Then they went to Chicago and swept the Cubs. I mean, yep. that was huge That's for massive. Arizona. It, it vaulted them a half game over the Cubs. And they, now the Cubs are sitting first team in, or last team in, I guess, yeah. uh, in danger. Tied with Miami. Yeah, in danger of being first team out. So, And that's what we're going to see over, this, over, the, over the course of these next two weeks, really. We're going to see how these teams... You know, the ebbs and flows. Who, like, do the Cubs stay cold? Do the D-backs continue their nice little surge? We'll, we'll see how that all shakes up. But it, it's so intriguing to see how pivotal these matchups are between the teams in the race. We're going to move on to the Cubs, though. They have 12 games left, so they have one more. Then Arizona. They'll I believe ho- Arizona, uh, didn't you say they had 12? 11. They have two against the Giants. Oh, it's two. Oh, I thought it was three. Three against the Yankees. Okay. Three against the White Sox. Three against the Astros. Okay. You're good. All right, Cubs, they have 12 games to go. They'll host the Pirates for three, a pesky, scrappy young Bucks team. The Rockies coming to town for three, very easy. That's a nice little rebound series for them. But then they finish it off three against the Braves and three against the Brewers, both of those series on the road. Wow. Very tough road in my mind for the Cubs, not including those final six games. I think the Pirates are, you know, they're not a great team. But they're not a team where you can just sleepwalk against them and get wins. Phil's like, lost a series to them. Yeah, they're they're young, they're they're pesky, they don't go away. For a team, I think that's overperformed. They're at seventy wins. They yeah, have a chance to finish with around seventy five if they can play some five hundred ball over these past couple games for them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where they finish up. What if I were to tell you the Pirates and the Padres that have similar records come season's end? That's so weird, isn't it? That is so not how we at all thought this was going to shake out. Look at the talent difference. The disparity between the names on the teams is outrageous. It's outrageous. The Reds are ahead of the Padres. That's all I got to say. Yeah. So Cubs have a pretty tough road in my mind. Um, We're going to look at the Marlins real quick. They, I think, have the toughest road. Eh, not the toughest. But... Those in-division games are always weird. They'll host the Mets for three, host the Brewers for three, go to the Mets for three, and then wrap up their season in Pittsburgh at beautiful PNC Park for three games. 
Look at Pittsburgh playing a lot of these wild card teams right in a yeah, row. Yeah, the Pirates will have a big say in how this yes. race shakes up. <laughs> the Pirates and the Mets are going to have a huge say because the Marlins got to play the Mets for six games. Yeah. Philly's got to play the Mets for seven. Yes. So like, let's say the Mets can get hot. <laughs> They're not going to. Do I think they will? No, but they could. Let, let, like, let's just say in this hypothetical, hypothetical scenario, the Mets get hot and, and they really could shake up how this thing goes and, and drastically change where these teams finish and who the three wildcard teams are when it's all said and done. It's a nice consolation prize for missing the playoffs. Buddy. Yeah, I could see my rivals lose and cheer at the defeat of others around me. So, <laughs> man, that portrays me as a bad person. Yes, it does. Do you really want to see an unhappy Mitchie hanging out in the studio? Mm. Is that what you want? My problems become your problems. I suppose <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, I'm, ne- I'm never going to root for the Philly sports teams. But as your friend, I will root for your happiness. Thanks, buddy. So just, just so you know, I said that on record. We're reaching across city lines. We are. We are. Yep. I'll root for your happiness, not for your sports teams. That's where it stands. <laughs> All right, one quick uh, road preview before we go to our first break. The Reds, their final 11, they host the Twins for three. They'll host the Pirates for three. Oh, my goodness. Two at Cleveland, and they will round out their season by going to Bush Stadium and taking on the St. Louis Cardinals. Three games there. A couple of their rivals will look to play some spoiler with the Pirates and Cardinals having a say in where the Reds will finish up when this thing's all said and done. Six games against their division rivals. Reds. Got to go out there and take care of business. They have six I think the of Reds have a real favorable schedule here. I, I would agree. I think they, uh, you know, I, I think Miami's got it tough. Uh, Cubs ha- definitely have it tough. I think the Reds sneak in here in, in that third spot. Uh, Based off schedule previews, yes, I would agree. But as the Reds as a team, do I fully trust this Reds team to get players. in? It is. It is. And, you know, they're, they're under the gun here. The pressure's on. Because they can they, taste it. How far out do they sit right now? Half a game. Half. See, it's barely anything. They've hung around. They were back. Uh, I feel like they really slid back there uh, throughout the middle of the season. They they kind of fell away from the picture a little bit. And they've surged back into it. Um, I, I think the Reds are – I really think they have a great shot at, at leapfrogging into that, that spot. Yeah. I, I, Four I think... teams there within one game of each other. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. And everyone's the, playing the Pirates. Yeah, the Pirates are really, really can flip things upside down. What's their schedule? Like, I feel like every team you've named is playing the Pirates. I feel like it can't all fit into that last four series. Let's take a look. Pirates get at the Cubs for three, at the Reds for three, at the Phillies for three, and home to the Marlins for three. My goodness. They play four. The only team they know plays Arizona. Yeah. Of that bunch. So. Wow. See how that goes. We will see how that goes. Okay, we are going to step aside for our first break of the show. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we will finish up our MLB discussion on the NL wildcard race, briefly switch over to the AL side of things, see how those uh, couple teams who are still in that wildcard discussion stand, uh, and then we will move on to round at hour number one with all things NFL. We'll give a recap of week two of the Sunday slated games along with the Thursday night game between the Eagles and the Vikings. So still so much more to talk about here on Heavy Hitters. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back momentarily on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters, a very dramatic entrance. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. Did you like that? Yeah, I liked that a lot. Play it again. Play it again. At a lower volume, obviously. That was awesome. 
I love the boom. That's awesome. That's so good. This is heavy hitters. We're talking all things MLB wildcard race starting in the NL. Uh, we've got a listener from Atlanta. Wait, he's from Atlanta? Uh, from Georgia. Oh, he lives in Georgia? Yeah. Oh. You didn't know that? I mean, I, I knew he was a fan of those teams. I just didn't know if he actually lived in yeah. the state of Georgia. Greater Atlanta area. Yeah. Um, We're looking at you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Uh, Chris says that... He, he's been name-dropped multiple times in the show. Yes, he has. So it's okay. Because of his... Um, his... Illustrious picks. His I don't luna- even know what that his, word means. His lunacy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had to endure, and we'll get to this during football, I had to endure some crazy Falcons takes over the weekend. Uh, we'll get there. You are undefeated, Atlanta Falcons. Unbelievable that we're saying that. Yeah, I know. We'll talk about the NFC South in, in a mere moment. Oh, oh yeah. Moment, well, I don't know about mere coming moments. Up, coming up. Coming up. Later on in hour number one. Chris says that Miami, the Marlins, looked good over the weekend, and he firmly believed. Well, he didn't say firmly, but I'm holding him to this. He <laughs> firmly believes betting his life savings betting on his the top fact, dollar. <laughs> yes. On the fact that Miami sneaks into that third wild card spot. So, thank you, Chris. If you got a take, let us know for us to uh, insult it on the air. Uh, you can for send all those you listeners out there, and you can send those to at Heavy Hitters KUR on Instagram. Um, but yes, you can, can also give us feedback for the show. Um, something you liked, something you didn't like. Exactly, we're open to anything. Any feedback is appreciated. Something you want to talk about, something you want to talk about a little less. Um, yeah, um, did you say that? Um, no, I didn't. Okay, I, I said it. I said it, but like differently. Yeah, you know. Anyways, all good. Anything else NL wild card that you want to talk about? The Giants. We didn't really look at San Francisco quite yet in the terms of their upcoming schedule, and I think there's absolutely no chance that they make it. <laughs> Zero. You heard it here first. Two at Arizona. And the Giants are going to the playoffs. Two at Arizona. Four at the Dodgers. Oh. Three versus San Diego. And Motors. three versus the Dodgers. Oh, my. They're done. Gabe Kapler and company, you're cooked. Good. You're going home. Done I'd love to season. see it. That man is a bona fide scrub. He can't coach. <laughs> he uh, can't manage. He can't manage. No disrespect whatsoever. <laughs> All right. So, okay. I'm going to pose you one last question. For the NL side of things. Please do. If you had to predict your final three for the wild card, who would it be and why? Uh, final three. I... I know, Phillies I put you under the gun there. Phillies, Diamondbacks, Reds. Okay, and I, I I feel I feel like there's a forty percent chance of that happening. I could also see the Cubs sticking around. I could see the I think any combination of the top four or no, I mean it's actually five teams. So uh, the team I feel less least confident about probably the uh, Cubs and then the Marlins. You know, I, I think the Cubs are going to fade. I think they have a tough schedule. So we'll, uh, we're going to look at it, and we will keep you updated. How about you? Who's your top three here? I'm going to go Phillies. Yes. That's the one. That's a good choice. I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks of the two. Yeah. And the Marlins are going to be third. Ooh, okay. You and Chris in agreement. Look at you. Marlins going in three. Look at you. Starting off nice before you rip into shreds in football. So all i got to say on that. All right, let's move on to the AL. We got to move over to the AL, but before we do, uh, it is rush hour. So for all you commuters out there, uh, maybe listen to the show while you're driving. We're going to give you a brief updated traffic report. We'll be back in 30 seconds here on Heavy Hitters. No accidents in the Lehigh Valley on 22 or 78, Berks County on 222 or 422. 
Schuylkill County on 209, 309, or 61, Carbon County on 248 or 443 or on the turnpike. The 69 News Traffic Center tip line is 610-820-1111. I'm Jeff Bolden in the 69 News Traffic Center. Back here on Heavy Hitters, rolling on through hour number one, talking all things MLB. We just talked the NL wildcard race, our predictions. Mitch went Phillies, Diamondbacks, and Reds. I went Phillies, D-backs, and Marlins. Just minor differences on who gets that third and final wildcard spot in the NL. All right, let's not waste any time. Let's go over to the American League side of things. Right now, as it stands, the wildcard spots, the Tampa Bay Rays are going to get the top spot. Yes, they If are. they don't win the AL East, because they still have a shot to do that over Baltimore. But... Assuming all things stay as they are now in terms of the division winners, it would be the Orioles, the Astros, and the Twins with the Rays getting the top wildcard spot. So I'm just going to assume the Rays are getting the top spot. That's where that's where I'm keeping it. I don't want to throw a hair on things. So the Rays are going to get the top spot. Those final two spots are up for grabs. Right now, the Blue Jays hold that second spot half a game edge over Texas, and they have a full game, game and a half edge over the Mariners who sit out on the outside looking in. Mariners one game back of the Rangers. All right. Go Final 12 Rangers. Do you know that sound? I do. Yeah. I do, but grudgingly. <laughs> All right, Blue Jays. Final 12 games. They go to the Bronx for three. They go to Tropicana Field for three. Then they come back home and host those exact same teams in that same order. Three Ooh. versus the Yankees. Three versus Tampa Bay. The Rays will have a huge say on if the Jays will get in or not. The Rays are going to have something to play for because they still have that division title up for grabs that they are ever so seeking. All right. Thoughts on the Blue Jays, if any, or do you want me to keep running through and then you'll give your thoughts? I'll keep running through. I'll give mine as a whole. All right. Rangers final 13 games. They'll host the Red Sox for three. They'll host the Mariners for three. They'll go travel to take That's on... That's a big series. The Pitiful Angels for three, and then go to the Mariners for four. Wow. Huge, huge series there. Seven games between the Rangers and Mariners, and ultimately how those go are going to determine who gets in and get and who gets in and who doesn't. Yes, it will. Mariners, three at Oakland. They'll go to Texas for three, host Houston for three, and then host the Rangers for four. Mm-hmm. And then the Astros, because they're not out of this yet, yet they're winning the AL West, but they could still slip and find themselves in the wild card. They get three at home versus the Orioles, three versus Kansas City, three at Seattle, and three at Arizona. It's not uh, it's not easy. It's not. But um, I firmly believe that the Blue Jays are safe because those next two teams are going to be beating up on each other. If one of them wins... Five out of seven of those games, I mean, it's just so hard to fall past that other team, you know? Yeah. Um, and and if they beat up on each other pretty evenly, then then it's, you know, both teams are, are struggling somewhat. And, and there's wins to be gained on both of those teams. I think the Blue Jays are safe in that second spot. Uh, and really, it just comes down to who do you think is going to win more games between those seven of the, uh, of the Mariners and Rangers. Personally, uh, if just gut feeling, if I had to guess right now. I'd probably go with the Mariners. No, no, no. Sorry, Ranger. I'd probably go with Texas. I don't know why I thought they were the Texas Mariners. Uh, <laughs> that wouldn't make too much sense. I'm going, yeah, there's not much maritime-ing going on. <laughs> That's not a word. Uh, there's not many maritime activities. But I'm going to go with the Rangers. Um, did we talk about the... Scherzer injury? Yeah, did yes, we? Yes, Okay, show. sweet. Yep. Good thing we have you battening down the hatches. What does that mean to batten? Um, to batten something. 
not particularly sure. Okay. I think well, just to, uh, but you're doing it anyways, so. Make sure everything's in order. I don't know. Batten them down? Like, I guess. I don't know, like, board them up. bats and clubbing them? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> douche, douche. It's like, oh, my goodness. All right. Okay, but I got to go with the Rangers. I feel like you would go with the Mariners. You just seem like a Mariners guy. Up and down have been the Rangers and Blue Jays over the past couple series. They got the Rangers swept the Blue Jays, then they got swept by Cleveland immediately after. The Blue Jays, in turn, got swept by the Rangers, but then swept the Red Sox after. So I don't know what to make of these teams. <laughs> so up and down, so back and forth. But I agree with your take on the Blue Jays. Since the Rangers and Mariners are going to be beating up on each other so much, or so we think, yes. I'm going with Toronto to get the second spot. I'm going to go with my boys, the Mariners. I knew it. I knew you are a Mariners guy. We, we don't like Texas. No, we don't. Oh, man. man. I don't feel good about this pick either, and I want the Mariners to get in. I like the Mariners more for some reason. Tighten or close or secure is what batten means, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Did you look that up? I, I got I got some uh, you got some outside assistance? Some inside sources. Nice. Okay. So. Some sources close to the word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> close to the situation. Yeah, the Adam Shifter of the... Uh, of the thes- of the thesaurus there, thank you very much. For it to be Ian Rappaport, but it's okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't like that that name as much, Ian. <laughs> Ian, tell him how you really feel. Mitch. Sounds really annoying. You know, sorry to all the Ians out there. So, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, explain your Mariners pick. I think the Mariners look. They've been on a bit of a slide, but I think that the pitching for them it's ultimately going to you know what wins out. The Rangers don't have Scherzer anymore, and honestly, with the way he's been pitching in clutch situations over the past couple of years, that could be a net positive for Addition them. Addition or subtraction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I just seeing him how he's pitched for the Mets in situations, I'm going to take that aside and let's say he pitches okay. If he like, Let's say if he was playing, he would be pitching okay is what I'm saying. But uh, my gut's telling me Mariners and I'm going with it, honestly. That, that, that's why I'm going. It's a gut check. It's a gut feel pick. Give me Seattle. I like the I like the top end of the rotation there for them better than the Rangers. I like Luis Castillo. Uh, I like Kirby for for Seattle. Okay, give me the Mariners to get back in the playoffs and rematch the Blue Jays again, just like last year. That yeah, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Um, well, actually, no, they wouldn't play, would they? Second and third walk? No, 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 no. They would play uh, the Blue Jays. No, the Mariners. If they get in as a three, they would go play Minnesota. Yes, they the play Blue Minnesota Jays and the Blue Jays would play, play the, uh, the Rays. Rays. Nice. Yeah. Uh, was... For Toronto. Whew. So, yeah, I, uh, I I had a similar thing. I just I looked at the two teams. Um, I don't think one is, like, clearly better than the other. I just gut feeling. Gut tells me Rangers. They surge in, and uh, they're in the uh, third wild card spot. Now, it's interesting if they do beat up on Seattle enough. Do they surpass the Blue Jays? The Blue Jays yeah, are not true. world champions. No, it's been 1993. It was the last time they were world champions. Yeah. It's been a while, Toronto. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. <laughs> it's so upsetting. You know, I loved that clip, and then I found out it was against the Phillies. Yeah. yeah you was, did love that clip. It was a bad day. Just like you, it's weird. You know, you recite that one a lot. You recite the, uh, the Jordan one a lot, too. Uh, I've started to, that's my method of coping. Yeah, I suppose. There's been some good play-by-play calls of the, of Philadelphia getting, you know, destroyed. It's true, when you think about it. When you think about it. New Year's Day. Every <laughs> time you say I that, know, you I can't, have to. you can't. It's automatic. It, it's just a reflex for you. It's automatic. Point. You like Shinedown? 
Any Shinedown fans? <laughs> the song is called Cut the Cord. No. That's a good song. Don't, I have to play that for you. Don't know it. You like uh you like rock music? Yeah. Yeah, you like Shinedown. So. All right. Let's move on to the NFL side of things. We're going to start with the Eagles-Vikings. That's going to take us to our second and final break of hour number one. That was a Thursday night game. Eagles improved to 2-0, winning 34-28. to For me, it was another typical Eagles win. A big lead. They let it slip away for the Isn't most part. Isn't it so frequent? And cling to a small <laughs> margin of victory. Now, Mitch, this is where we differ. You said a lot of the points and a lot of the yardage for Cousins came in garbage time. Yes. I disagree. Game I think was it was over. still very much a game. Game was over. The Vikings could have won that game if they didn't have a case of the fumbles. You know, didn't didn't. Um, that was all in the first half. Put the ball on the ground so much. It was all in the first half. So uh, yeah, so Justin Jefferson with the fumble for a touchback. Uh, that was Jefferson, I believe. Yes. Right? Yep. Uh, it's hard to keep track of all these fumbles. <laughs> yeah. uh, Madison, Madison fumbled in the, in the first quarter. Uh, Kirk Cousins, did he put it on the ground? I believe he did. Yeah. Was it a strip sack? I think. I maybe? believe you're correct. Uh, yeah, the uh, they couldn't hold on to the football, and that's a problem for Minnesota. Uh, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers galore in the first two weeks. Thank you very much. We appreciate it here in Philadelphia. Uh, Devontae Smith had a big game. Could have had two very long touchdowns. Had one. The second was underthrown by Mr. Jalen Hurts. Super irritating, but it's okay. Um, and he just keeps winning. Uh, the record for Sirianni uh, and Jalen Hurts together is... It's impressive. It's a lot of wins so far uh, for those guys, and it's frustrating because I don't like either of them. And A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, getting into it a little bit on the sideline. Um, A.J. Brown frustrated over a lack of targets. That's something to keep an eye on, so he'll have four touchdowns next week on Monday Night Football. Trade for him in fantasy. That's my lock of the week. He's going to be a monster because he's complaining, so... They'll pay him more attention. Dallas Goddard wasn't invisible in this game. Uh, he had more than one target, which is good to see. And we can't can't skip over the elephant in the room. DeAndre Swift, have yourself a game, sir. Uh, in his first time playing uh, here for the Eagles in Philadelphia, he grew up around here, and he took full advantage of it. Uh, something like 170 yards, a touchdown. What a night for Mr. Swift. He looked good all game long. He did. Super exciting to see. Averaged uh, 6.3 yards per carry. Yes. I see we're coming up to our break, so I will talk about the defense and some injuries on the other side, and we'll get to our picks and how they turned out on the other side. Talking more NFL here on the radio voice of Kutztown University KUR's Heavy Hitters. I'm Mitchell Smedley. That's Jack Himes. See you after the break. Welcome back to Heavy Eaters here on the Ready Voice of Kutztown University, KR Kutztown. That nice little dramatic entrance. Why'd you fade it out? Why did you fade that out? I was getting turned. Turned? Yeah. Turned? I always said turned. I'm sorry. It's turned? I don't want to be playing the music forever. Oh. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll hit it back up when we need it. Yeah. For our upcoming segment. Um, <laughs> want to finish talking about this uh, Eagles game here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll take the defensive side of the ball. Sure. You mentioned DeAndre Swift already looking dominant. I mean, you got to talk about Devontae Smith first really quick before we get to the defense. He had a huge day through the air, four for 131 yards and a touchdown. I believe that touchdown was on a 63-yard play. 63, yes. And so. he had a uh, another 50-yard catch on the first drive. Should have been a touchdown, but I should have been a cowboy. So uh, That's a Toby Keith reference. This isn't <laughs> redneck rush hour, man. Hey, every hour is a redneck rush hour. 
I suppose. When I'm around. For you. I just belt into country songs at random times. You do. Annoys right. Jack, but. Not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it can get a little aggravating, but it is what it is. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Well, look. You know we what all, you do? We, we all have things <laughs> about, you know, our personalities that annoy the people that are closest to us. Like you know? Josh being a Cowboys fan. <laughs> and most other things he does. <laughs> My God. I'm kidding. Damn. Just violate this <laughs> man. Sheesh. Whoa. What do you mean by that? Uh, Roast him. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. All right. Eagles defense. They looked okay despite some injuries in the secondary. They were really banged up back there. Bradbury missed this game with a concussion. A blanket ship with a rib injury did not play in this game either. And Avante Maddox appears to be out for the season after a after suffering a pectoral muscle tear. Surgery will, will be required. Such man, a sad loss, man. He secondary. turned into a great player. He did. I remember this guy was a certified scrub. He, he was. Oh, I hated Avante Maddox. He was for terrible. A long time. He was like Byron Maxwell reincarnated. Developed into a very solid player though in the secondary. Uh, now he's done for the season. How do the Eagles, you know, patch around that and fill in that void? That's going to be a big question. You know, does Bradbury and Blankenship, do they return fully healthy for next week's game? They do have a little bit more preparation time since they're going from a Thursday night game to a Monday night game. So we'll see how that, all that transpires. But they do lose Avante Maddox for the long term. That's a pretty substantial injury. Injury, excuse me, in the secondary. They're already losing, lost N'Kobe Dean, who's on IR for four weeks. Uh, you know, in the linebackers' rooms, so this defense is having to face some early season adversity with a lot of these injuries. We'll see how they respond to that, but they're two and zero, and they did just enough to hang on and get the win on Thursday night versus the Vikings. Well, I mean, they were up by twenty points at one point. So yeah, it's not and then just, just kind of laid down. They held on, and they, you know, they got the win. They got the win, Jack. They allowed some late points. It is what it is because you have Josh Job out there getting turned around. You hate that man. I, I don't like him very much. Uh, but that game was Jober. It was Jover. Josh Jover. Jack. It was there was no chance Minnesota was coming back. Um and Minnesota briefly had the worst record in the National Football League out of anyone. So I mean, the talking point with the Vikings gotta be the turnovers and they're minus six through the first two games. That they turned is it over not good. They turned it over three times against the Buccaneers when Tampa didn't turn over in their in their home opening loss. And then they turned it over four times on Thursday night when the Eagles only turned it over once. So they're minus six already yep. through the first two games. It could be a very different story for the Vikings if they, you know, things just broke a little bit differently and they didn't turn it over as much. This could be a team we're talking about, hey, Kevin O'Connell, year two, they're 2-0. and Everyone who thought they were going to take a step back, we're proving you wrong. I'm not going to write this team off yet. They're 0-2. We know what this offense is capable of. And they didn't look... Their pass defense looked a lot better than I thought it was going to on Thursday night. Now the rush defense, sure. let's not talk about that because yeah. that was absolutely brutal. I mean, and that one uh, that one turnover that they did get was a, I mean, ugly Jalen Hurts interception. Yeah, um, I didn't think he had his best. I don't. I don't think he looks particularly good to start the season. By the way, um, on the contrary, he's missing uh, some plays that should be made. He's missing reads. You know when they. When he's dumping it off, a lot of times the broadcasts are showing, hey, he had this downfield that he just didn't look at and, and didn't recognize. Uh, he's throwing interceptions. Well, an interception. Uh, that ugly fumble in uh, in the New England game. Jalen Hurts just doesn't look like the same player right now. doesn't look as focused and locked in, and maybe a big contract like that will do that to you. So Jalen Hurts uh, proving me right. We'll see. Also not playing in the preseason, you know, first yes. game action. That's – yeah. I, I – as much as I want to toot my own horn, that's likely what it is. Jalen Hurts will likely just revert back to MVP caliber Hurts in two to three weeks. So, you know, whatever. 
All right, let's keep moving on through these game recaps. I've put down a couple notable games that we're going to take a deeper dive into, and then we'll just rally, you know, t you know, quick rapid fire, go through the rest of the scores, and give our picks with our record. We have two more games to preview also, so that'll leak over in hour number two. All right, Ravens-Bengals in Cincinnati. Ravens rally past Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, 27-24 on the road. Cincinnati falls to 0-2. Big talking point into this game after the game was Joe Burrow re-aggravated yes. his calf injury. In this game, it has already been deemed by head coach Zach Taylor. He'll be questionable for next week's Monday night game Pardon me against the Rams. That's huge news. That is absolutely huge news. We we'll don't really know big. how long he could be out if he does have to miss time. Again, he suffered a calf strain in training camp, didn't particularly practice a whole lot, didn't play a whole lot. That's why we're seeing some of that rust from him in these first couple weeks. But very, very bad news to me that he re-aggravated the same injury. Well, it is it is unfortunate, especially for an 0-2 Bengals team that's needing everything they can to try and get back on track. Um, you know, the offense definitely took a step forward this week from only scoring three points against uh, Cleveland in week one, but still not uh, not able to get the job done. The defense does not look good for Cincinnati. And now you got this. You're starting, your star quarterback is, uh, you know, questionable for a, a primetime game against the Rams, who, by the way, look pretty good right about now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about the Bengals. I'm really worried about the Bengals. I would say I'm going to pump the brakes on worried. If I had to grade them on a scale of like concerned, panic, oh no, no, no I got I got to like figure out a way to level this. So, I'm definitely concerned, but I'm not like to the point where I'm really really I would say concerned, worried, or full panic. That that's the three levels I'm looking at. I'm at, at a here. worry. I'm at a concerned. And I'll tell you why. The Bengals started on with two last year, right? Yes. That, that might be some new information to some of you out there. The, the same Bengals team who went to the AFC title game last year started 0-2. I'm not going to freak out yet. I'm not going to just lose it over a couple losses. They looked ugly in Week 1. They looked a lot better in Week 2. It was a close loss against a division rival. And if Burrow plays in Week 3, they could easily win against the Rams in my mind. So we'll see how that happens. I'm going to quickly talk about the Ravens side of things. Lamar, I think, looked really solid in this game, going 24 of 33. 237 yards, a pair of touchdowns. Injury news for the Ravens front, Odell Beckham left this game with an ankle injury, reported he should not miss any time with that. Uh, I think the big stat for this game, if you want to circle it, figure it out how the Ravens won this game, total yardage 415 to 282 in favor of the Ravens. The Bengals are also very, very pass-heavy, 41 pass attempts to only 15 rushes, which is bizarre because they were so effective running the football, averaging 4.4 yards per carry on their limited attempts. I was a little bit perplexed as to why they didn't try to open up the run game a little bit more. I know they were trailing for a lot of the game, but it wasn't, you know, by so much like the point. three scores. Yeah, to the point where you just ditched the run game. You know so. who had a great game, by the way? I was confused by that. Former Eagles legend, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, leading receiver, leading receiver for the Ravens in this game. Also had a touchdown with a nice little over-the-shoulder catch. Yep. I believe it was in the second quarter, uh, if I'm remembering I thought it was correctly. toward the end of the game. No, it was in the fourth quarter. You're right. You're right. They made it 27-17. Right on the money with that one, Mitch. Thanks. T. Higgins, a good day for the Bengals. He had against a pair of Against me, touchdowns. by the way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my dad was playing against him. I was actually kind of the only guy not playing against T. Higgins in my family, so I was like, <laughs> Let's go. Um, I was playing against Joe Burrow though, so we'll talk about we'll talk about some fantasy stuff in a little bit. But any more thoughts on uh, any more thoughts on the Ravens or the Bengals in this one, Mitch? Well, 
Um, I told my buddy I, I was watching this with Mr. Stop Sign. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a big what a Ravens fan for those is. who don't know. Yeah, very big Ravens fan. And um, you know, we had Red Zone on in one room and and the Ravens game on in the other for him. And uh, I told him I, I said, look, we're both two and zero right now. I think I think the Ravens Eagles Super Bowl. I don't know what I officially picked on this show. I think I gave two predictions. Um, I think Ravens Eagles. If I had to guess right now, is uh, how it's going to shake out. I think the Ravens uh, arguably are the most. Uh, Wait, that's your Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, good grief! I don't care. I don't care what you say. Oh, I I am grief. on board with the Ravens right now. I am on board with the Ravens. Wow. That's all I gotta say. I don't care. I don't care. I think they look <laughs> very good. I'm riding with them. Oh, do you have a problem? Okay. Please explain your problem. We're going to talk about this in just a moment. Oh, please. I have a message from the K word. Sure. Join KUAB on a trip to Washington D.C. on Sunday, September 24th, from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. The bus will drop off and pick up in the National Mall, and you choose your own adventure: free museums, shopping, eating, people watching, and more. Departure from the MSU parking lot at 8 a.m. <laughs> with an approximate return of arrival to campus of 8 p.m. Tickets are $10 and are available to KU students only. Tickets on sale at kutztown.universitytickets.com. Student login required to see the ticket availability. This message of convenience is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University. KUR rounding out hour number one, talking all things NFL. We went a deep dive into the Thursday night game between the Eagles and Vikings. One of the premier 1 o'clock games on Sunday between the Ravens and the Bengals. We're going to talk about another one before we go to our hourly break. Chiefs eke out a win at the Jaguars 17-9 in a very disappointing game. I was to say I was least. expecting fireworks, buddy. You know what? I'm going to say it right now. Every game that gets super hyped up always falls flat on its face. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a good point. When everyone just, you know... Flies off the handle and say, oh, this is the game of the week. The Chiefs and the Jags, you got to be looking out for it. It's terrible. The it's last, always, always, always terrible. The last game that lived up to that hype, that everyone was like, this game is about to be bonkers. Last one I remember that actually lived up to it was, uh, I believe it was Falcons-Cowboys in like 2019. Kevin uh, Burkhart on the call. That game, that was a lot of points scored. Um, and that game was, you know, fireworks left and right. Back when... Calvin Ridley was a Falcon, but you're you're absolutely right. These big time games they get hyped up, and I fall for it every single time. So do I. You know, you look at the game and say, "Yeah, these are two of the premier offenses with two of the premier quarterbacks in the sport." And the Jags didn't going find at the it. end zone, and it was a horrible game. Yeah, and by the way, and it I was an not eagle. great defense. It was incompetent offense. I an eagle trying way too hard. By the way, you see that Kelsey call? Yeah, where Kelsey finds a blank space. Shut up. I don't need to know about that. I don't care. That was not a bone in my body. That was being bored in a game that was so hyped up that he had to just try to, you know, push the needle for the one big touchdown that was scored. (laughs) That was that was really the the climax of the game. That was yeah, exactly. Um, Because the Jaguars couldn't do much of anything. Yeah, Zay Jones puts up zero. Actually, I can't say that fully is true. Christian Kirk was a dog. I had him on my fantasy team. Rebounded substantially. Yeah. I could have told you that. One over 100 yards. Love to see it. I was a little worried about him after week one. Talk about that worry has gone away. The opposite, though. Calvin Ridley. What happened, buddy? Look, I I saw that coming. It's not going to be the Calvin Ridley show every single week. For sure. I mean, there's other very talented receivers in this team, like Christian Kirk. Zay Jones is a good receiver. He got zero, Had a couple opportunities to catch touchdowns, but 
just wasn't able to keep those feet in bounds on yep. multiple occasions. Precisely. Backbreaking for, for the Jaguars. I mean, there's a huge stat staff of this game that tells the story. It's it's the red zone defense of the Chiefs versus the red zone offense of Jacksonville. Jacksonville went 0 for 3 in the red zone on touchdown scoring attempts. They yeah. they could not get in the end zone despite getting getting in that area of the field numerous occasions. Yeah, everyone's uh, all up on uh, oh the Chiefs defense is is so real. So I don't know. I think it's more of what you're saying: incompetent Jacksonville offense. If we're if we're staring at a 21-17 Jacksonville win, right? People aren't going. The Chiefs defense is back. Like. If Jacksonville gains a selective 30 more yards, you know, if, if Ridley puts his feet in bounds twice, um, we're looking at a very different outcome here. And I don't think people realize that enough. Chris Jones got a sack in this game. Everyone's like, he's back. Thank you for bringing him up. Because whenever the Chiefs got a big defensive play or got to the quarterback, it felt like it was Chris Jones. Yeah. He had a monster game. He is very good. Having him back on that defensive line is a game changer for Kansas City. It, it is, absolutely. I just don't know if this defense is elite. Yeah, exactly. I, this Chiefs defense isn't elite. I hear people not talk bad. about it as they're elite. It's a good defense. It is a good defense. It's fine. It's I a better it's, defense than I think than it's like a top year. 12 defense. Sure. Sure. I think top 10 pushing, or top 12 pushing into the top 10. Yeah, absolutely. They've really entered that realm. I think they've they've played well. And what I'm saying, I'm not trying to discredit the Chiefs' defense, but just when I watched that Jack's offense, it just did not flow. It no, didn't it have didn't. a rhythm to it. It looked out of whack, especially when they got down in the red zone. They couldn't really much execute anything at all. So very perplexing to be the yeah. Jack struggles. You know, I don't want to hear this Trevor Lawrence MVP hype, man. It's... I thought it's, it could have happened. So did I. Uh, but from what I've seen to the first two weeks, I don't want to just Jover. simply rule something out, but it does not look like it's there. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's there. Patrick Mahomes, he, uh, okay. Two uh, two passing touchdowns, Kelsey and Sky Moore. Um, and other than that, not too, not too much going on for the Chiefs either. No. Other yeah. than a couple drives. So Really, that last offensive drive of the game for them where Sky Moore got that huge passing play down the sideline. Uh, to set up that Kelsey touchdown. Yep. Um, and then when did Skymore get his touchdown? Like I, I might I have been even after that. Um, I thought the Skymore touchdown was also toward the end of the game. No, that was in the first half. I was right. Oh. I was right. I was right. Okay. So and that Kelsey touchdown was in the third quarter. Yes. But yeah, so not much going on for either team. Really did not live up to the hype. No. Not um. So beware the next time we hype up a game that we're super excited about. Uh, I picked that one properly, though. We'll talk about our picks in hour number two. Yeah, flip-flopping Mitch. So, (laughs) we got three more games to uh, take a deep-dive breakdown into, and then we'll give a snapshot of our picks so far. We'll preview the Monday night games between the Saints and the Panthers and then the Browns-Steelers, and then we'll spend, you know, if time goes accordingly, which it should. It should. um, We'll spend about the last half hour or so talking about uh, college football week three because there was a lot of games to talk about, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a down weekend in college football. For those folks who say that, yes, there is. It's a myth. Everyone was saying week three is going to be terrible. Myself included, I didn't say it was going to be terrible. And then I I'm said, up at two a.m. watching it overtime. I didn't say it was going to be terrible. I said it could be a down weekend. Didn't turn out to be so. We'll talk about all that and more when we come back. Hour number two of heavy hitters coming your way in just a few moments here on KUR. Don't go anywhere. Heavy hitters rolls on. Chill out. <laughs> Chill out over there. <laughs> and it is uh, Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim on the board. I probably shouldn't do that, but I, uh, 
makes no difference to me. <laughs> it's whatever. It probably just <laughs> sounds bad on the radio to you know rev it back up and then bring it back down. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think it's so. funny. But I think it's funny. Hopefully, it's not uh, too bad. We're talking all things NFL. If you want to uh, roast Jack for his production skills, uh, <laughs> at Heavy Hitters <laughs> K U R on Instagram. Oh, Stop man. punching your chair. Those are expensive. <laughs> Regs is going to be on you. That time it was more of like a, you know, like. It was know, a like love tap. Pound your fist like down like vertically. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, like exactly. As yeah. opposed to what? Like like the first time was actually punching it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, not, like not hard. <laughs> but. Okay. We're talking NFL. We'll get to of college football here. Of course I'm not trying to break our equipment here. In the second half of hour number two. Um, yeah, we'll get to our picks, uh, how they totaled up in a in a few. But we got some other games to talk about. We talked Chiefs, Jags, uh, we talked Ravens, Bengals. Bengals. I was about to say Titans. Not the Titans. Um, And we got a few more to touch on. Are we going to Seattle and Detroit? Oh, we are. Okay. What a game. Take down the Lions 37-31 in an overtime thriller at Ford Field, like Mitch just said. Good old shootout. What a game. Both quarterbacks, solid outings, both going over 300 yards. Geno Smith, 32 of 41, 328 yards, two touchdowns. Conversely, Jared Goff, 28 of 35 for 323 yards, three touchdowns, and one crucial interception that went for a pick six. By the way, did you know Jared Goff had the third longest streak without throwing an interception in NFL history? Um, They were talking about it and everything. I didn't know it was the third longest, but yeah, yeah I knew he was getting up there, and then he threw a pick. Pick so. six. Which, by the way, Seattle interrupted his streak and Tom Brady's streak. Yeah. Um, Same defense. Yep. So, anyways... The two Geno Smith touchdowns both went to Tyler Lockett. Thank you. Uh, I have both of those guys. I started Geno over Dak in my fantasy league, and Tyler Lockett's my wide receiver one with Cooper Cup injured. And, man, oh, man, it came down to the the wire. It came down to a coin flip in overtime. Seahawks got the ball, drove it right down the field. Another note, uh, DK Metcalf was banged up. He returned. Had some, uh, had some. Oh, was it a concussion? Mm-hmm. I I saw he returned. Yeah, he was still he was being evaluated for. Concussion. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I, I was gonna say I thought he I thought he was cleared, um, which he was. He was back on the field, made a couple catches after that, so he looks to be all right. Um, not much from the ground game here. Uh, conversely, the Detroit ground game suffered a big hit with the injury to David Montgomery. I don't want to talk about it. Are you? Do you have him? Yeah, I do. Oh man, in the so, big league. Mm-hmm. Oh, chance to go to two and zero for me in that league, though. Nice. What do you need tonight? Uh, I'm down by three. Got Chris Olave in the Saints defense. Mm. You want to hear my predicament? What? So my one league, I am down by twenty four with Nick Chubb left to play. You okay. good? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in the other league, I am up by four against Michael of KUR. Uh, up by four with. David Njoku against Nick Chubb. So I need uh I need twenty five points from both Chubb and Njoku if I want to win both. Yeah. Otherwise, not gonna happen. Looks like I'm gonna lose both. Today. Actually, I made the decision as me and my cousin made the decision. We 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 cover on the team. Uh to start Hunter Henry over Ooh. David Njoku. Ooh. Paid off. He got us eleven with a touchdown and fifty something yards. So bingo. Not a not a PPR league? No, it's it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a very unique scoring league. Okay. We'll just put it at that. All right, you're special. I, I would go so. I'm not the commissioner. My uncle is, but it's an it's a it's a decent league. So okay, can't nice. complain. Um, 
yeah, anything that uh, anything else that stuck out to you? Uh, the Detroit Lions look like they can, you know, they can play with anybody right now. Had a uh, win against the Chiefs and and a strong showing against a, a Seattle team that I think is really good. Um, how do you feel about Detroit right now? I like the way the Lions look. You know, we Me mentioned too. we mentioned Montgomery. That's going to hurt them in the backfield. Being labeled as a thigh injury, Montgomery said he, he thinks he might miss a couple weeks, but Dan Campbell actually labeled him day-to-day, so we're seeing contradictory reports on that. It is Dan Campbell. Uh, I, I do suppose that's true. Other line injury real quick. Uh, linebacker James Houston is going to miss some substantial time. Fractured his ankle. Estimated timetable for return six to eight weeks. Oof. So, loss in the linebacker room there for Detroit. Um... Very even game though in all areas of the stat sheets. I uh, but did you see that that game winning touchdown? Um, I was busy screaming because it went to Tyler Lockett and gave me a huge lift in my comeback see, efforts. I thought there was a blatant hold on that. Play. It was a blatant hold on the play. Yeah, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson. I was, was like, how did he get around there? Like, and and then they re- replayed it, and he was upset. Uh, by the way, we also got one of the all time referee moments in this game. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Gino there Smith. was a uh, yeah there was a bad call coming against the Seahawks and Geno Smith starts yelling at the ref about how awful of a call it is and the ref with his mic on trying to make the call goes I'm trying to talk to America here (laughs) (laughs) that that was great that was awesome all time referee moment massive W yeah massive Massive W W for the ref so anyways um, yeah I was really a great bounce back performance for the Seahawks Uh, I thought a a, and even better offensive performance than week one for the uh, the Lions. The defense yeah. becomes a concern. Uh, but, you know, if you look at it, the pick six happened, right? So seven of those points were not allowed by the defense. And six of them came in uh, in overtime, which wouldn't have happened if you don't throw the pick six. So you could make the argument that the uh, Lions defense roughly gave up about 24 points, which is more stomachable as a Lions fan. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I like the way this Lions team's positioned themselves. I didn't really expect them to start 2-0. Uh, but the fact they got out of there in Kansas City with a win and lost a hard-fought game against a solid Seattle team proves a lot to me. Shows they can hang with some of the better teams in this league. Uh, not you know, not only hang with them, but get a win against one. Yep. Uh, give them all you know a run for their money, if you will. So I like the way the Lions have looked. We'll see how they adapt with those injuries. Uh, they're going to get the Falcons at home next week. We'll yeah. preview those games. That's a good segue because on the uh, Wednesday show, Chris was uh, telling me that the uh, Falcons are going to destroy the Lions. I think the Lions win the game. Agreed uh, by maybe two to three scores next week. Lions are double or not double digits. I think they're three and a half point favorites. Is they the should be line. way more. Lions are going to win. Yeah, the Lions are going to really lose back to back home games. I mean, are you gonna, really going to lose to Desmond Ritter? No. Okay. Um, Chris tried to make the argument that Desmond Ritter looked great. Let's just segue to the Atlanta Green Bay game. Here. I don't know what to talk about there. We could just argue this point and argue about yeah. the Falcons. By the way, Falcons won 25-24 in that game. Walk off uh, young Wayku field goal. Effort. Desmond Ritter still a a a bona fide scrub. A trash quarterback. Yeah. He I can't mean, play. He's a bottom 10 guy in the league. He's not good. I'm sorry. It just is what it is. The passing game looked okay yesterday. Bijan is a good running back. He called him number one in the league. I think that's still McCaffrey. That's preposterous. McCaffrey is easily yeah. better. Yeah. And I, I don't get me wrong, I like Bijan Robinson. Me too. Nothing against Bijan Robinson. He looked he had some he, tough runs yesterday. He's an electrifying young player. But let, let's let's pump the brakes here, you Homer Falcons fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying it because it's true. It's okay. He calls me a Homer too. Well, that's also true. But yeah, Desmond Ritter's not good. 
This passing attack is atrocious. They're relying on so many big plays that you can't replicate fully. It's not it's not week. sustainable drive. Like it's, you're not you're not going to find Matt Collins for a 45-yard reception every week. It's just not going to happen. No, it will not. You know, speaking from experience here. Um Kyle Pitts is getting involved. Like he threw the ball to only five different targets. One of them was his running back. Two were tight ends. So he only got two receivers involved the whole that's game. That's crazy. Drake London and Matt Collins were the only receivers to actually haul in a catch. Yep. Desmond Ritter's not a good quarterback. Let's not play it off like he is. And just because the Falcons have started off 2-0, in large part due to their running attack and their defense, let, let's state that on the record because that is true, Desmond Ritter is trash. So you think the Falcons' defense is for real, the offense is not? I think the defense is better than better than it was advertised. Okay. Do you and think, I think they the rushing are, attack's legit, one of the best in the league. Do you think they... So he proposed to me in the same text conversation that uh, the Falcons would beat... Philadelphia in Atlanta in the playoffs. Wrong. Incorrect. Yeah, very incorrect. Falcons Look, hosting a home playoff game, not going to happen. Well, do you think they can win the South? No. That would get them a home playoff game. No. you don't. Okay, so you don't think they're better than the Saints? I don't. Okay, I think it's arguable. I at least think that is I think is it's arguable. a debate. I think it's a debate, but I'd, I'd go the Saints. I think the Saints have it's exceedingly better receivers. It's a quarterback-driven league. They have a, the yes. Saints' offense is miles better. Derek Carr is so much better. They have much better receivers, and they're going to get Alvin Kamara, comparable to B. John Robinson. And that one-two punch of Kamara and Jamal Williams will look really good. Plus, the Saints have a really good defense. Yeah, they do. Um, I don't think it's completely outlandish to think the Falcons could win the division. I think the Saints will win the division. And I don't think the Falcons much look like a wild card team at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to call you a fool if you pick the Falcons to win this division. Yeah. I think they're the second best team in this second division best after team, some football. I called them the— I was lower on them than than some, yeah. and I'm being proven wrong by that. Yeah. And that's fine. It's The art of a prediction is so tough because you can't see everything that's coming. We, we can't see the future. I'm just going off what my opinion is and what I look at this roster and yeah. see. He also did say that the Falcons uh, were Super Bowl bound this year. Yeah. So, which is preposterous. Uh, which, when asked if uh, I don't think that the win against Green Bay counts for anything, I don't think Green Bay is a particularly good team. I think they're I the second best team in the second worst division in the conference. Everyone, uh, I, uh, only behind quarterback the South. hyping up Jordan Love. I mean, 14 to 25, 151 yards. Did yeah, not look good touchdowns. in crunch time. Threw three touchdowns, but is this really the guy we're going to start hyping up and no. get behind? He had an opportunity to win the game, couldn't. You no, know, um, he looks like an exceedingly, you know, he looks like a, a decent game manager quarterback. I don't like the, I don't see any elite traits out of Jordan Love's game that say, yeah, this is the thing that's going to put this guy over the top. I don't see that out of him. I don't like the Green Bay I don't uh, think he's bad. receivers. I don't like their receivers. Their defense is... Christian Watson's hurt, so we'll, we'll see when he comes back. Yeah, when he comes back. Right now, I don't think they're anything special at no. all. Um... Green Bay defense, where do you stand on that? It's okay. Yeah, it's middle of the road. Like I said, second best team in the second worst division in the conference. I'll agree with you on that. So the Falcons get Detroit next week. They'll lose. They will not be undefeated anymore, and we will not have to listen to this preposterous um, stream of nonsense coming out of Atlanta. All right. Uh, I got a message in the K-1 notebook. Sorry, before you get to that, I love that there's that preposterous stream of nonsense. I love early in the season— so many more teams are in it. So many more teams and fan bases have things to talk about. I love this time of year because we get people like that that say that the Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. 28-3. to Moving on. 
From the KRO Notebook, happening Thursday, September 21st at 6 p.m. in room 218 of the MSU, Accounting Clubs Meet the Firms Night is an accounting club signature event providing you an opportunity to meet with representatives of highly respected accounting firms and other financial organizations. Attending firms are actively recruiting. Participating students typically receive internships or full-time career opportunities from this event. This opportunity is particularly important to sophomores, juniors, and senior accounting majors. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Goodstein University, KUR. Back here, out number two of heavy hitters. Mitch, I see you laughing over there. Is it the way I said something that got you? Got you? Yes, the way you were like, highly, highly. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, what if it's some emphasis on that word? It's we important. got more games to talk about. Are we going to the late window? We do. We're going to the 425 window. Giants. I got one game to break down from that. I'll talk about my Giants a little bit. I'm not going to spend a crazy amount of time That's a big game to them. break down. That was a crazy game. It was. I want to talk about Niners-Rams first, though. Battle okay. of California, NFC West. Niners take it 30-23. to Rams are shocking, shockingly playing well to start the season. Stafford looks fully healthy. And the story of the first two weeks, Puka Nakua looks like the breakout, the receiver, breakout receiver of the year. First rookie ever with 15 receptions in a game. Set a rookie record for 25 receptions in his first two NFL games, which is beyond wild to me. This guy was a fifth-round pick out of BYU, and he is lighting the NFL world on fire in his first two games. Looks like a seasoned vet out there and has great rapport with Matthew Stafford. Picked him up on the waiver wire in my fantasy league. I'm loving that pickup. Not just for the short term, but I think it could be a dangerous duo with Cup and Nakua when when Cooper Cup returns. Yeah, I'm I'm really waiting for that uh, Cooper Cup return. And since I won Week One, I had a low waiver wire priority, and I didn't get him, and I really wanted him, and I'm upset. Womp womp. <laughs> Did you just say womp? Okay, what a great reference. I feel like we do that every show now. We do. Um, Staple. Yeah, the Niners though. Christian McCaffrey with a really nice touchdown run early in the game. He did. I was playing against him. Yeah, I was playing against him as well. And Crushed me in the first half. Second yeah. half, McCaffrey, though, was nowhere to be found. Yeah, he really disappeared. Um, Brandon Ayuk did not have as big a game as the first week. Uh, did not have two touchdowns today. Had zero. I believe he only had three catches mm-hmm. uh, for something around 40 yards. Um, yeah, Debo Samuel. How about him, man? Good game for Debo, man. He's, he's a tough guy to bring down. Yes, he is. That touchdown play? His, his touchdown where he darted towards the sideline, stayed in bounds, man. He's just such a tough runner, dude. Yes, he is. That 40, 49ers is such a scary team, man. There's uh, no weakness. The 40 winers will fall. Don't worry. I don't know why. Where, where? Where are you seeing that? I know you don't like them. Where is the glaring weakness on that team? I don't think there is a glaring weakness. I exactly. Mean, look, the Rams just put up 30 or 23 against them. I don't. Granted, 17 was in the first half. Yeah, that's true. It, it, the game felt like it did kind of slow down somewhat in the second half. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of this Rams team so far. They're looking really good, and they're only going to get one of the best receivers in football back in uh, two to three weeks. So Rams could be the surprise team of the year in the NFC. Really? Could, after being the shocking like downfall team last year yeah, that just fell apart after their Super Bowl. Um, what do you think the uh, the reasonable outlook for the Rams is right now? They're one and one. Nine wins. Nine wins. Okay. I feel that. I like that. Uh, could be a wild card team there. Um, couple more notes for me on this yeah, game. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. Nakua was also the first player ever with 10-plus receptions and 100-plus yards in each of his first two NFL games. Kyron Williams is going to be the RB1 going forward yes, for the is. Rams. That's the story. As Cam Akers yeah. uh, more than likely will be dealt uh, in a trade to get off the Rams. 
Mentioned the 49ers, they looked good. An okay game for Brock Purdy. Didn't really play that great. He missed a couple throws down the field to some open wideouts. Uh, just was not fully, you know, playing his best game uh, in week two, but it was enough for the Niners to get out of there with a win. We mentioned McCaffrey looking as dominant as ever, going 138 all-purpose yards and a touchdown, and the Niners D-locked it down in the second half, only allowing six points. All right, we're going to go to Sunday Night Football. Very quickly discuss that game. Go to break. When we come back, we will uh, discuss our picks uh, from week one to give our records, and then we will preview week two's games, or the week two Monday Night games, and then we'll round up the show talking college football. Dolphins-Pats, hard-fought divisional showdown in New England, 24-17 to on Sunday Night Football. Hey, Jack, it's a fact the show's back in town. <laughs> I, I love that song. I literally get goosebumps, man, hearing that song. It's just, it's so jolting. That song, and then leading into, like, you know, the big finale of it, and then the drums, and it goes right into the NBC theme. Like, that is chills, man, chills. Carrie Underwood, she was tasked with a little intro song for a football game, and she put on a banger. Yeah. Gotta love Carrie Underwood. It's the Dolphins and the Pats. In a division showdown. division showdown. The stadium's rocking. Come on, crank up the sound. I should start texting you, hey, Jack, it's a fact. The show's back in town. (laughs) I'm going to do that from now on. All right. Decent game for Tua and the Finns. 249 yards, one touchdown, one INT for Tua Tagovailoa. Injury news for Miami. Yep. Gene Waddle in concussion protocol. He'll be evaluated. I think he'll be monitored throughout the week. Um, for for week three's game, where they host the Broncos in their home opener, we'll see how all that shakes up for for Jalen Waddle. Hopefully, it's nothing serious there. On the New England side of things, their offense was putrid to the first three quarters, putting up just three points. Found the end zone twice in the fourth uh, with Hunter Henry. Way to get in the end zone, their chief. Help out my fantasy team, and then Ramondre Stevenson got in the end zone on a two yard run. If I'm rem- if I'm remembering correctly, on a late score. Just too little, too late. Raheem Mostert, great, get, great game. Oh, he had a big run. The ground, yeah. Eighteen carries, buck twenty-one, uh, and two touchdowns, including that forty-three-yard lightning strike. Um, I believe in the third quarter. Uh that was. I feel like that was really toward the end of the game. I know I've said that three times now. One and one. I thought that was with like about five minutes to go. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Oops. 8.45 to go. Oh, I was 3.45 off. So, uh, yeah, this game really irritated me because I was playing against both of the defenses in separate leagues, and they kept getting sacks and turnovers. It was one of those grungy divisional battles, and it it was just annoying for me to watch. But uh, the Dolphins. Dolphins are 2-0, and and I'm a a believer in them. I like what I'm seeing out of Tua so far. Uh, Tyree kills a monster. Trying for two thousand yards. I don't know if he'll get there, but um, kind of got held in check. Yeah, yeah. Forty yards the and a touchdown. Patriots take away what you do best. Yeah, they take away your top target, and make you have to get creative with it. Yep. Dolphins were able to do that. Find a different way to win. They're two and zero, winning both their first two games on the road. So impressive. Yeah. Uh, for Mike McDaniel and, and the Finns to do that, they'll go home with a chance to make it three zero, like we mentioned, against the Broncos next week. Who lost in heartbreaking fashion this week? By the oh, way. they did. By the, the way. Win. The uh, kind of the opposite of the Dolphins that I want to talk about. Just touch on real quick. How about the Chargers finding a way to lose games? They're zero and two. 
Yeah, we'll uh, talk about that as we'll recap the picks. All the hype around them is oof, crazy. But for New England, first time's going 0-2 to start a season since 2001. Been a long time since they've done that. Well, Got off to a rough, rough start. They won the Super Bowl that year. They did. So Started a dynasty. So I don't think we much want to mess with them anymore. Mac Jones, though, continues to look much better than he did last year despite the losses. I can tell he's much more comfortable in this offense under new and returning offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien. Just not much uh, electric big play ability from this offense, though. Uh, it's mostly underneath stuff. It's a lot based on rhythm and nothing really uh, exciting about it when you when you think about the offense as a whole. Mac Jones uh, looks like he's comfortable, but he's not willing to uh, push the ball down the field or not able to push the ball down the field. And, you know, you can't really blame him. I don't think the talent level around him in the receiving core is, is much there. So No, it's not great. No. But Dolphins offense very, very balanced in this game. 30 pass attempts, 30 rushes. Very, very balanced. So... Yep, that was actually not on my notes. I added that. A lot of those uh, just right now. A lot of those rushes came from outside uh, sources. A lot of those rushes came at the end uh, when they were putting the game away. Still passing it uh, actually quite frequently in the fourth quarter until uh, those last couple drives, which was uh, interesting. Patriots every time it looked like they would be really out of the game, they'd get a pick, they'd get a sack. You know, they turn the game around, go down and score. Uh, second half, it was it was good football to watch. It was a fun game to watch. It just ruined me in fantasy in more ways than one. So all right. We're going to step aside first break of hour number two. When we come back, we will go over our picks, preview Monday Night Football, both games, and then we will move on to discussing college football to wrap up the show. Don't go anywhere. So much more to talk about on Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University. K-U-R, Kutztown. Welcome back to Heavy Hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University. K-U-R, Kutztown. Jack, I'm Mitchell Smedley. The suspense oh, yeah. is building. Oh, it, it's been building. Our picks. Like a construction site. <laughs> Our picks in week one. From the Thursday night game up through the Sunday night game, two more tonight. Our record stands. We're going to start with Mitch. Oh, yeah. First medley. He is eight and six. Yeah, that's a winning record. Eight and six. So far, one more to seal the deal. And for and for me. And for Jack Hot. Football guru of KUR. Six and eight. Rough week. Six and eight. Rough week so hey, far. That's not that bad. We're only one game uh, over and under 500 each. Yeah. So I hope, I hope for all those listening live out there, I hope you like the music still sitting in the background <laughs> where I could like fade yeah, it up like a little bit. Yeah, it's like bed music, you know? Fade it up. Yeah, bed music, fade it up a little bit. That would try to build the drama for the record reveals. Yes. Um, we got to use that more often. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we, that's a nice little tool now in our when we're When we're actually like predicting on the Wednesday show, we can use it. I am so. going with the Seattle Seahawks. Dun, 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 I am dun, going dun, with dun, dun. the Atlanta Falcons. We don't want to overuse it, though. To not make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! All right. We got two games to preview tonight, Jack. Let's preview them. Let's get right into it. All right. We have the Saints and the Panthers. It's a 7-15 start time. Such a weird start time. There it is. Uh, Stop yelling at me! 7-15, that's on ESPN. New Orleans, three-point favorites. Saints have the second-best road record in the NFL since 2018 at 29-12. Look at them. Yeah, that's huge. That That's the that's a really good mark away from home, man. 29-12? Yeah. In 2018? Yeah, they, that's since like the, 2018. So, including it? I would 
assume. Okay, because that's they made the playoffs that year. They haven't really done anything uh, since then. So it's impressive that they're winning that many games. Yeah, it is. Uh, big note for Carolina. J.C. Horn, their yeah. best corner, is on IR. Yes, will not is. be playing in this game. And for me, I love the matchup of these Saints wideouts against this Panthers secondary. I think that's an that's an area where you can really exploit Carolina. Another area, the Saints D, who had three interceptions last week against Ryan Tannehill and the Titans, uh, will challenge this rookie quarterback, Bryce Young, who threw two interceptions of his own last week down in Atlanta. I think all the matchups are favoring ten, uh, not Tennessee. What am I saying? Are favoring Tennessee's going to win this matchup between Carolina and New Orleans? Are favoring New Orleans, uh, giving the Saints to win? Uh, I also I don't see uh, many matchups that favor Carolina. Um, I, I'll make it quick. Saints offense is going to have a big day. Uh, Saints defense, a couple takeaways. I'd say three. And uh, the Saints win pretty comfortably. And they go to, they won last week, so they'll go 2 0. Double digit win for New Orleans. They'll go to 2 0, matching the Buccaneers and the Falcons in this mm-hmm. division. It's the three How about teams that? to start 2 0. How about that? Represent NFC South. In the worst division in football, there's going to be three 2 0 teams. So. Moving on, we got a slightly more interesting game, AFC North Showdown. We got Pittsburgh, we got Cleveland, Deshaun Watson and uh, Kenny Pickett, and eight fifteen. Yeah, on it's eight fifteen on ABC. C. Interesting note: uh, ABC will be uh, broadcasting Monday Night Football each week this season, in addition to ESPN, trying to fill time on their airwaves. Just thought I'd mention with the, that well, you know, with the impending. Uh, ongoing, ongoing, I would yeah. say, yeah. It's not impending. Not anymore. impending. Hollywood the ongoing strike. Hollywood strike, yeah. Oh, well, look who listens to my newscasts. See, I listen, Mitch. Yes, you do. That's one thing I'm working on and that countless women throughout my life have told me I need to work on. <laughs> <laughs> Constructive criticism. Hey, I'm all, I'm all in favor of that. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, who can't do anything right, are going against the rejuvenated Cleveland Browns. I think the Browns win this game pretty comfortably. It is one of those division games. Going to be gritty. It's AFC North football. Um, look for Nick Chubb to have a big night. I'm kidding. Look for Nick Chubb to actually be terrible because I need him to have a big night. Um, I think the Steelers D is good, but not great. Uh, I think they hold them to about similar mark to what they had last week against Cincinnati. 24 points. And I think uh, Pittsburgh still struggles to find any sort of offense. Deontay Johnson is on IR, so loss there. I just don't think Kenny Pickett's good, and I think that the Browns will be able to hold him in check, similar to how they held Joe Burrow in check. Uh, Give me the Browns to win by 14, 24-10. All right. You mentioned the Browns' defense. Looked great last week against Cincinnati. Held Joe Burrow to 82 yards. Steelers' offense, in turn, looked atrocious last week against the 49ers. Big note, though. Amari Cooper will not be playing in this game. Deshaun Watson's favorite target is out, uh, I believe, with a groin injury. Uh, So he will not be playing in this game, paving the way for Elijah Moore. And Donovan Mitchell will be the top two wide receiver options for this Browns' offense. Look out for David and Joe, who possibly is a tight end as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some more Mitchell, more Mitchell. As if two hours with me wasn't enough, you get more Mitchell tonight at eight fifteen. Mm-hmm. You do. Moving on. <laughs> wait, Sorry to wait a minute. What? I'm confused. Are you good? More Mitchell, more Mitchell. Elijah Moore. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> that one took a minute to sink in. There. Yeah, I just, just like had a mental brain fart right there. So just like, yep. Yeah. Yupper dupper. All right. <laughs> More notes on this game. You mentioned Deontay Johnson's out. He's on IR. Cam Hayward's on IR. Big part of that Steelers interior defensive line. Anthony McFarlane, one of the better players last week, is a kick returner. He is also on injured reserve. Steelers reeling with injuries. All signs are pointing to go to the Browns. So you're going to pick the Steelers. Uh, I've, I've, I've been in a toss-up for this game for me. I mean, Come I, on! I think Cam Hayward's absence is going to be very impactful. They still have T.J. Watt. Alex Highsmith's a solid edge rusher. Jack Conklin out on that Browns offensive line. That's a big piece for them missing as a right tackle. That's the side T.J. Watt likes to rush. So you think that's a big matchup? How do they patch that Steelers in? How do they D-9? patch that hole? Can T.J. Watt take advantage and get to Deshaun Watson to make him feel the heat enough? Can the Steelers' offense not look completely abysmal in this game? Can Kenny Pickett, you know, look better than he did through most of last week's game against the top defense of the 49ers? The problem is it's not that, you know, not that much of a different challenge. The Browns' defense is very, very good. Can Steelers scheme up ways to get this offense consistently moving the ball and consistently getting up points and putting up points? I think it's going to be one of those lowest-scoring games just because of you know, these offenses don't really possess great threats as receivers, especially, I think, Cleveland. Uh, I think it's going to be a heavy Nick Chubb game for the Browns. Can the Steelers get any sort of, you know, whether it's rushing or passing, consistent offensive attack going? I I can't answer that definitively, as I have zero faith in Matt Canada. I think he's a horrible coordinator. I've said it numerous times off the air. Uh, I think I said it last week on air that he's an atrocious offensive coordinator. My mind hasn't changed on that in one week. My heart's telling me to go Pittsburgh, but my mind's telling me to go Cleveland. And for that, I will go with the Browns nice. to win, start 2-0, and and force the Steelers to own All right. two. So I'm guaranteed to win week one uh, picks. You probably would. I mean, we both picked the Saints. You would have rather you oh, would yeah, have I been guaranteed, was guaranteed that bad anyway. Yes, well, I'm guaranteed so. to win by two. So uh, I don't know. I'm you know I never really had a great lean on this one, so I'm gonna go Browns. Very very loose feel. I've I've felt Browns all week. I don't, I don't have a very confident choice. Confident in, in the Browns. So again, I would love to pick the Steelers. Why? I hate the Steelers. So I like the Steelers. Nah, Steelers so. fans annoy me. So I mean, you are looking at one. What? Yeah, you are not a Steelers fan. Yes, I am. What? What? You're a Giants fan. I'm I'm fans of both. You gaslighting me? No, I'm not gaslighting you. Which one do you root for more? I mean, I root for both to win. Okay, every single week. Who do you root for more? I don't know. Uh, like so, I've gone back and forth in terms of identity. I wouldn't really say I have one. I root for more, but in you terms of like have a been team, a Giants fan my whole time knowing you. Yeah, yeah. I've also been a fan of the Steelers my whole time knowing you. It's not like this is just sudden. You don't advertise that. I don't. But I don't really like. I just, do. I heavily advertise. I'm a Giants fan. Yes, I wouldn't say that. Yes. So I like both. Um, for me, I don't know. I feel like I can identify since I've gone to Pittsburgh uh, oh, over the summer. That's all it takes. <laughs> that's all it takes. <laughs> well, in that case, I guess I'm a Padres fan. I'm a Rockies fan. No, no, no. Who you else? Didn't, you didn't let me finish my story. <laughs> you did not let me finish my story. Being out of Pittsburgh, it was great. Um, 
you know, being out with the yinzas uh, as they Can't go. Can't stand those people. So <laughs> this is not getting better. If you go to a place, you can root for. I'm a no. So uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm also I'm an Astros saying, fan. Apparently, <laughs> we won the World Series. <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> that I did like my time out in Pittsburgh, but. You know, I, I do root for both. Of these. I wouldn't say I have a strong lean one way or another in terms of who I root for more. What? What? What are you on? What do you mean? What am I on? Are you a Pirates fan? Loosely. More than the Mets? Absolutely not. Exactly. You've always been different. A Mets, Giants, Islanders. I've always been a Steelers fan. No, you have not. Yes, I have. You're you can lying ask any one of my family. You're li- they, well, they're going to cover for you. I have a Steelers jersey at home. Who? Antonio Brown. What number? Eighty-four. Why? I got it in 2016. Mm. Okay. You can ask anyone that's known me. Ah, I, this is crazy. This doesn't sit well. with. He's been a Giants fan. He's, you were watching the Giants game. You never watched the Steelers game. Yes, I do. Wow. I literally watched their week one game. Did you? Yes. I watched them get pummeled by San Francisco, Mitch. That was fun. It was he- You it was were watching terrible. Red Zone. What are you talking about? It was also a national TV. They were the Fox game that week. You were watching Red Zone. We flipped back and forth. No. <laughs> It was our first week of Red Zone. Uh, Oh, is that the first time you used it? Yeah. Really? Never had it before. What'd you think? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's good. I don't think it's. I don't think it's totally like all it's talked up to me. But Scott Hanson's electric. He's he's great. And we're gonna double box in. You know, I love. I love the octo box at the beginning. Oh, the the octo box is fun. Yeah, I love it. It's time for seven hours of Of commercial-free football football. starting now. (laughs) I love him. Like it's so electric. I love when he's like, and it's become the witching hour, where wins become losses, and losses Losses become become wins. wins. (laughs) Boom. I love that. All right. Yeah. You're messing with my, me. No, my dad's been a Steelers and Giants fan his whole life, and he's passed that down to me. That's crazy. That's crazy. We've never once talked about this. No. How is that It's never possible? really come up, honestly. Yeah, that's so weird. Mitch, why did you think I was so passionate about my Steelers thing last week? What Steelers thing? When we talked about the Steelers 49ers game, I went on a tirade about how the Steelers were terrible and Matt Canada's trash and this, that, and the other thing. I didn't think it was, like, outwardly passionate. Like, I didn't think it was, like, that out of the ordinary for you. I thought it was a genuinely good sports take because they're terrible, which is a delight. So, oh, I can't stand the Steelers. <laughs> I just, I, I think. <laughs> I genuinely can't stand I the Steelers. I just can't. I, I think they've overtaken the Patriots, like, easily. Easily overtaken the Patriots as my, like, number one out of division. Can't stand that team. Please pummel them every single week. Uh, they're just so oh funny. man watching aj brown just absolutely annihilate them last year was the highlight of my life i can't stand them got six rings i don't care <laughs> i don't care does this look unsure to you i mean i just look i've had some bad experiences with steelers fans uh throughout recent years of my life maybe that has something to do with it but Oh, they just think they're the only ones that ever decided to play gritty football and have a good defensive line. You didn't create that. Quiet. What are their colors? Black and yellow? Yep. Boring. It's the Bruins. No. All right, we're going to go to break. (laughs) When we come back, uh, we're going to wrap up the show talking all things college College football football, week three. A lot to talk about there, so we will move through that quite quickly. When we come back, you're on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. And welcome back in 
big bold music leading us in to the final segment of the show. I'm Mitchell Smedley. That's Jack Heim. This is Heavy Hitters. We're talking about how Pittsburgh's a wasted city. Pittsburgh's a great city. No, it's not. I don't care how many bridges you have. It's the black and gold. It was the steel curtain in the 70s. Steelers are great, man. The 70s? Yep. Okay, so the Steelers were good the last time the Flyers were good. No, the Steelers have won two Super Bowls in my lifetime. I don't care. I like. I could not care less about the Steelers. So, Actually, some breaking news. Amari Cooper will play in tonight's game. Uh, so I mentioned he was out. No, he's in. So he's going to help beat the Steelers. Uh, I picked that, so I'm going to stick with it and say yes. I can't believe we've done this show for a year and a half, and you've never confessed your Steelership to me. So, so anyways, we got all kinds of college football to talk about. I was up at 2.15 in the morning, Jack, watching college football because of how exciting that game was. 2.15 a.m. I have my uh, Penn State hoodie on, my zip-up. Uh, they're undefeated. Got a nice 30-13 to 13 win. A lot of weird games. Yeah, a lot of weird games. Drew Allard did not look good. Aller. Aller, sorry. Still Aller. Drew Aller did not look good. 16-33, 208 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Very, very okay game. He got so many turnovers handed to him in uh, the first half and couldn't cash it in for big-time points. <laughs> Five turnovers for the Illini. Five! Five! Luke Altmeyer. Hell of a game there, brother. Four picks. Way to go, buddy. And, uh, yep, Aller couldn't do anything with it. But they did end up winning by three scores. It, it, you know, you survived that sort of game. You come out there looking okay. And, uh, you know, on to the next week. Still undefeated Penn State. I think has a chance to go really far this year. Uh, any other games you want to talk about before I talk about the Colorado game? Uh, FSU barely gets by Boston College, 31-29. My goodness. I Ooh. recorded this game. I didn't get to watching it, and I'm probably going to watch it tomorrow after I get home uh, just to see how that all transpired. I unfortunately didn't get a chance yesterday. I was very, very busy yesterday. Also, uh, on Saturday night, too, man, I was a busy weekend for me. But they won. They were 3-0. Looked ter- horrible. Looked. <laughs> Looked ter- I mean, horrible. <laughs> I was going to say... I was going to say terrible, but I went with horrible instead. Mm. Horrific. Big difference. Horrific. Why um, does horrific and terrific mean absolutely opposite things, but horrible and terrible are the same? I don't know. I didn't I didn't come up with it, Mitch. I didn't invent weird. the English language. So take it up with uh, so, someone who has By my calculations, that. horrible should mean, like, really good. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I have no thoughts. Or horrific. should No, horrific should mean, like, really good. I got a new job. Dude, that's horrific. Oh, heroic means a positive thing. Well, heroic means brave. That's it's not a positive thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, it often is seen as such. Yeah. That doesn't outwardly mean positive. All right, let's get back in with a 31-29 <laughs> Florida State wins. Jordan Travis goes for 212 yards, two touchdowns. The rushing attack was not that great for Florida State. A lot of turnovers. Overall, just a sloppy game. I mean, actually, only two turnovers, but they put the ball on the ground a lot. Two fumbles lost, but I think they also recovered two. So it, it was a, it was a bad, bad game. Bad, bad game, but you got to wash it. you got Clemson next week. Uh, I should say this upcoming week. A lot to clean up for that one. LSU mops up Mississippi State 41-14. to 
Jaden Daniels looked good, going 30 of 34, 361 yards, two touchdowns, added 64 yards on the ground, and two more rushing scores. Have a day, Jaden. Um, and then on the on the uh, Mississippi State side of things, they could not really do much of anything offensively. They combined for 200 total yards, uh, so that's not good. Actually, 201, my apologies, and only 10 first downs. Rough day for the Bulldogs. I mean, just no other way to say it. Mizzou gets a thrilling win over Kansas State. How about this story? Yeah. Harrison Mevis, the kicker for Mizzou last year, at Auburn, 20-yarder, shanks it. Mizzou goes on to lose that game in overtime. This year, 61-yarder as time expires against the 15th-ranked Kansas State Wildcats at home. Mizzou improves to 3-0, and drills it. That's an SEC record field goal. That was crazy. Unbelievable. Columbia, Missouri was on fire on Saturday after that thrilling win. Eli Drinkowitz, what a job he's doing with Mizzou uh, to start the season. They are 3-0. and How about that? They host Memphis next week, and then they go to Vandy. Real chance Mizzou could be 5-0 and before welcoming LSU to town. How about that? That's crazy. A lot of hype around them. Yeah. I mean, you know, they could be a 5-0 SEC team. They're going to be in the top 25 if that's the case. Sure. You know, they'll probably lose to LSU, probably lose to Kentucky. Don't count them out. No, I think they could beat South Carolina at home. Could not be, you know, could be an okay season in store for Mizzou. I think a bowl game's definitely going to be in the making for this bunch. Nice. So, we'll see how that transpires the rest of the way, but a huge win at home for them. Notre Dame looked like they were struggling, but Central Michigan for a little bit on this weird Saturday. It felt like all the top teams just had a bit of a struggle, you know, struggle fest going on. Uh, but they were able to get it together, go for nearly 600 total yards of offense, and get out of there with a 41-17 convincing win. Uh, it was 21-14 Notre Dame at halftime Ooh. in this game against the MAC team, but they really blew it open uh, in the third quarter. Just three points for the Chippewas in the second half. My baby, she's a Chippewa. She's a one of a kind. You Georgia. Know who sings that? No. Tim McGraw. Georgia. South Carolina, 24-14. Georgia gets the win. Another top team who looked very vulnerable in this game. South Carolina led at halftime 14-3. Daywan Edwards, Dylan Bell, a couple touchdown scores in the second half for Georgia. Cash Jones got himself in the end zone. Uh, They scored three straight times as they pitched a shutout in the second half. Completely different game. Dogs win by 10. They're 3-0. None of the top teams that look invincible this year, Mitch. It's really, truly an open race this year. I agree. I'm very excited for I this think stretch I think it's here. really up for grabs. They've all shown, you know, areas where they're weak, areas they can be beat. Uh, Georgia, Florida State, um, you know, Penn State's 3-0, but they've shown, you know, the offense can sputter at times, as is customary to every team. You're not going to have a flawless offense every single week. Uh, but, man, it is truly a wild year in college football. Sure is. It sure is. It sure is. That's all you got to say? <laughs> That's, I was just agreeing with you. It, so. Definitely a crazy uh, year. But I love those years because it opens it up for so many more people to be invested for so much longer. Oklahoma's looking real good to start the season. A dominant win over Arkansas State. Uh, they kind of limped against SMU but got a win and then walloped Tulsa last week. 66-17. They're 3-0. They're going to draw Cincinnati and Iowa State before going to play Texas. High probability Oklahoma could be 5-0 and in year two under Brent Venables. Uh, before facing off against uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers, and the Texas Longhorns in the Red River shootout there. 
It's actually called the Red River Rivalry, but since there's so many points scored in every one of those games, uh, people just call it the Red River Shootout. So, mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I'm just going to keep moving through these top 25s, just looking at them. Ohio State looked like they might have been struggling with Western Kentucky. It was 14-10 at one point. Uh, they won 63-10, to no problems there uh, in Columbus, Ohio, in that showdown. How about Washington? Michael Penix Jr. really is going to have is inserting himself in the Heisman conversation. By the way, out of Michigan State, who they faced off in this game, breaking news, Mel Tucker will be fired. They're yeah. working through that um, as they do have cause for his termination. Unreal. I mean, his first year at Michigan State, incredible. Double-digit wins with Peyton Thorne. Last year they fell down, you know, a little bit back down to earth, a year-two regression, uh, and now with a sexual assault charge, he's getting fired from Michigan State. Um Wow. Uh, so shocking how this all transpired. Uh, Mel Tucker is done with the Spartans. They'll be looking for a new head coach, uh, and the rest of this year are going to be a little bit tough for them. For sure. It's an unfortunate, um, you know, it, it's an unfortunate situation. You hope that whatever the uh, right thing is, is is done, that the justice system works its way uh, through that situation there. Absolutely. Um, just feel you know, hearts got to anyone affected by the situation, uh, however that may look. And, um, you know, like you said, Michigan uh, State, has, they, they were at the top of the mountain, came down last year, and then this is just adding on so much. Uh, players are obviously hearing it and under stress and, and it must be confusing to be in the building at this point. So not a good situation up there. And we mentioned with all the off-field distractions how they, we felt there was no way they could compete in this game. That was the case. They lost 41-7. Michael Penix Jr., back playing against the Big Ten team. He was at Indiana before he went to Washington. Goes for 473 yards and four touchdowns in this game on 27 of 35 passing. He looks incredible. The Huskies' offense looks tough to stop. They're 3-0. They'll draw Cal at home next week. That's going to be a tune-up. Before they play Arizona, they really should be 5-0. and uh, before a home battle against the Oregon Ducks, a uh, chance that one to be very intriguing with both those teams having a possibility to be 5-0 and going into that one. Sure. Iowa, 41-10. to The Iowa offense putting up 40 points. Where, you know, are we living on earth with the Iowa offense actually looking somewhat good? <laughs> it's a good question. It's a valid question. It is, because the Hawkeyes offense has been dreadful for as long as I've been following college football. But not this game. They're three and zero. Forty-one to ten. They beat Western Michigan. Guaranteed, it's a team out of the MAC. But you know what? I will put up forty-one points. I don't really care how they did it. They put up forty-one points. Damn. Tip they the cap to them. Did it. So who cares? They did it. Good for them. Biggest what a time to be alive. Upset of the week for Florida fans. That's exactly what they're saying. They take down number eleven Tennessee, twenty-nine to sixteen in the swamp. Graham wow. Mertz, efficient game. Nice. Nineteen of twenty-four, only throws one hundred sixty-six yards, but it was enough. As Trevor Etienne was a monster on the ground. Yes, he is the brother of NFL running back yeah. and Jacksonville Jaguars running back Travis Etienne. That's not a very common last name. I figured it had to be when I saw that. 23 carries, 172 yards, and a touchdown. That's 7.5 yards per carry with a long of 62 on the ground. Heck of a game for him. Signature win for Billy Napier in year two as head coach of the Florida Gators. They improved to 2-1 and one the road ahead for them. They draw Charlotte at home this week. Uh, that looks like a very you know, cakewalk game for them. Could you um, imagine, by the way, if Trevor makes his way to the NFL, trying to, draft, trying to draft those two? T-E-T-N in fantasy. Yeah. You know, that would get confusing. They're both studs, though, so it really doesn't matter who you pick. Florida will go to Kentucky the week after that. Big win for them. 
Michigan rolled over Bowling Green 31-6. A nice little flea flicker play from J.J. McCarthy to Cornelius Johnson for a nice little trickery touchdown. The highlight play in that game. Texas-Wyoming 31-10. Texas looked okay in this game. Quinn Ewers, 131 yards passing, two touchdowns, but Jonathan Brooks went for 164 on the ground, so I guess that kind of offsets that. Biggest game of the week, though. Wrapping up the show. Colorado, Colorado State. Oh, man. 43-35, a double OT win for the Buffaloes in Boulder, Colorado. This one was hard-hitting, physical showdown. A lot of big hits in this one. Pretty dirty one, I would say, on Travis Hunter uh, by Henry Blackburn. Yeah, that was not good. Hunter's going to have to miss multiple weeks. Sanders played well, 348 yards, four touchdowns, as the Buffs had to lead a late comeback. Man, they're 3-0. They go to play Oregon this week, and I think they're going to get crushed. 21-point dogs. Oof. That's crazy, man. Top 25 matchup, and you're a tw- three-score dog on the That's road. That's unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I, But I, I think it's accurate. I think, I think they, the Ducks are going to run right through I think through they them. cover. I don't think the Ducks cover. I, I think, think I think Oregon will absolutely blitz them. This defense is terrible. I know. And with Travis Hunter out, it's... that's That definitely has an impact. With Travis Hunter out, that secondary is going to get absolutely torched. Yeah, he was good for them. Bo Nix will throw all over them. Hey, what about Shiloh? You mean Shader? Should no Shiloh. Shiloh's the the DB. Yeah, you said the secondary's terrible. Yeah, he'll, he'll sure it up. He's not bad. He ain't gonna lock down Troy Franklin. Nah, I'll tell you, you don't that. think he'll have uh, two picks again? No, <laughs> no, I don't. Actually, one pretty bad thing that came out of out of this game on Blackburn's end, um, his school and home address was leaked. What? Yeah. Why? Um. Yeah, according to ESPN Developing Story, Colorado State defensive back Henry Blackburn and family received death threats after a legal hit on Colorado's Travis Hunter per Pete Thamel. Um, Let me go to, I had it pulled up on Twitter from Thamel. Don't really have time to go back and search that. That can't be happening, man. That's that's buffoonery. It is. It's absolutely uncalled for, unnecessary, just childish. Not even, it's it's beyond childish. It's dangerous behavior. It is. Ridiculous. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. These are, these are college athletes. Yeah. They're college athletes. So I have time to read it real quick. Speaking with Colorado State Athletic Director Joe, Athletic Director Joe Parker about the harassment of Henry Blackburn, concerned about the player's safety as him and his family received death threats, um, Henry never intended to put anyone in harm's way on the field. Not what we teach or coach uh, at the university. I'm looking at the full thread here. Uh, Colorado State Police has worked in uh, concert with local authorities to look into the threats uh, on social media. By the time the game ended on Saturday, both his, uh, both Henry and his mother's cell phones have been leaked, uh, and much more information has been put out. That's terrible to That's see. So, fortunately, disgusting. we got to wrap it up. Um, thank you for tuning in. We will be back on Wednesday. So much to talk about then. But thank you so much for tuning in for these last two hours of heavy hitters on K. We will be back on Wednesday. Until then, take care.